Welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm with my buddies Ethan Huffman and Elke Beltry. Now, guys, today we are going to take a moment and and reshift our focus to talking about the NBA rookies. As listeners, you may you may well know we spent a lot of time digging into this 2020 rookie class because of the pandemic, you know, all that stuff. And so today we're going to relitigate that. And Elkin, you're going to go ahead and kind of lead us through this. Elkin, how are you doing? Doing good. Definitely happy to be here to record. Apologize to the listeners. Last week I was ready to record. Uh, actually, I shouldn't apologize. Had a little emergency with my son, but he's doing okay. He's thriving. As I call him, the young king is okay. But I'm here on a Sunday. Just got back from working out. I'm ready to talk some basketball. What's up? What's up? Ethan, how you doing? Oh, man. I am I am woefully underprepared for this golf tournament <laughs> I have on Monday. <laughs> and that, But I'm, I'm prepared to talk about rookies because I do watch basketball. Um, the only one I'm... I think I'm underprepared for that plays a lot is uh, Danny Avdia because I, ha- I feel like I haven't seen them play a lot lately and that's when they've been playing good. So I'm worried I have a, a, a hole in the hole in my uh, evaluation kit, but um, I like him though, but we can get, we can get to that later. All right. Okay. H- how are we doing this today? So today um, for our listeners, the hero ball pod has a big board that was created by Ethan and Richard before the NBA draft. So in this board, they went through all their all the consensus ranks from different outlets, and they created their own big boards. So today, I will be going through each of their big boards, starting with the very first guy they have, going down to number sixty, where they have him ranked. And so we don't have to keep repeating. Whoever gets to a player first, both of the guys will talk about that player. We'll talk about was it too high, was it too low, and then we'll go from there. This one, I think. I, if I'm not mistaken, Richard, we actually shared the link to that at one point, so everyone could get on there yeah, and, you did. and peep it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I mean, we I can attach it. I'll I'll attach it to the bottom in, in the in the show notes of of this podcast. You guys so, did yeah, share the link. It, bring it out again, because I remember I did not record on this episode, and I I followed along on the link while I listened to the podcast. Wisdom, wisdom. All right, well, who we got, Elkin? All right, so. Starting off, like-mindedness, as usual, as the Hero Ball Pod loves to do. Both of you had LaMelo Ball as your consensus number one draft pick. And you guys can go ahead and take it from there, because I feel like both of you feel comfortable with that. Well, I think this is the easiest one, right? Like we said from the very beginning that LaMelo Ball had the number one um, attribute in all of the draft, which was his incredible passing ability, which in any draft – that could be the number one skill out there. I mean, I think about, you know, young Cade Cunningham and how good he is. Like, there's a chance that LaMelo Ball's passing is still the number one trait in the draft. Like, that could still be the case. You know, they might other players might have different physical skills or the combination of shooting and some ball handling, all those kinds of things that make him less of a prospect. But his number one skill was is always going to translate to being one of the top skills in the draft. And it's worked out beautifully. He went to a team that um, had some guards in place that are pretty good shooters. Terry Rozier has been a flamethrower. Uh, Devontae Graham has been up and down, but he's coming around here and there. Malik Monk's had a bit of a resurgence. Maybe just hit catching the ball in stride all the time is helping him out. And then Gordon Hayward also has, has enabled um, LaMelo to, you know, get get a chance to work off ball and, and, you know, flash some of his high basketball IQ with the way he moves. Could use a little bit more effort there. But 
all in all, like we, we see his putback dunks. He obviously has a feel for the game. And so I personally think like it's the most, it's easiest one to defend is how high we all had LaMelo because the one skill was so much higher than anyone else's one skill. And then like, it's what's the skill that makes you fun to play with. And we can see that like, while why the Hornets are such a fun team to watch number one in like everyone's league pass rankings. If you do a thing like that. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was pretty obvious from, from the beginning, Beginning. And not just to us, the NBA draft community had him ranked as the number one consensus prospect. There were obviously some people who, a few who like wanted to go Wiseman or, or, or even Edwards, I think. Those are the other two kind of in contention, but it really, it wasn't close. Um, I think for us, he was pretty clearly the number one guy because of what you said, but also a lot of the other aspects as well. I mean, you look at his his ability to grab rebounds and push in transition. And maybe some of this is a little, uh, I need to watch a little bit more uh, of, of Lamella ball. But if, if your guard who is phenomenal in passing and facilitating in transition, if he can get the rebound, um, like, you know how Steven Adams would, 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 would box out for, for, for that. Well, I mean, we do see leading all rookies is LaMelo Ball in total rebounds. So, like, he's also doing that, which is another thing that he was really high on, especially at the guard position. And he's leading Wiseman barely. Uh, he's also, uh, I believe, leading in assists. So, like, this is exactly who we thought uh, LaMelo Ball would be, at least in those aspects. The thing that maybe is a little bit surprising is just he is – uh, he's been more efficient than maybe we would have imagined, especially from uh, three-point land. Uh, in in my pre-draft kind of analysis of him, like even though his shot is a little bit weird, it does allow him kind of like Tyrese Halliburton's, who we'll talk about, or you know, it allows him to get that shot off from um, from further away. I think what we're probably seeing is just. I'm sure that there are some ill-advised shots in there, but it's nowhere near the level that. He was taking them when he was on Illawarra, Illawarra Hawks because, guess what? He's on an NBA team now. There are other people. He, he's not. He's not the guy uh, that that's you know on the team. He, obviously, he is their future. But like, there are other NBA talented guys there. Gordon Hayward's in the locker room, right? So you you can't be doing the same types of things. Um, and we knew from the beginning as well. Like he has the potential on the defensive end. Not saying he's a good defensive rookie, but like he still has that. Uh, most rookies aren't, but he still has the ability to um, to grow on that end. And, and so, yeah, this is no brainer. No brainer. Him number one. Well, by the way, he also is leading all rookies in points per game as well, like by only by a half a point. But he, he's also there and he is leading the all rookies in steals, which is not indicative of how good of a defender he is. But it is it, it is a, it shows how insightful I guess would be a word he can be as a defender like he knows what's happening he and he is going to gamble and he gambles pretty well is what is the way I would put it yeah the three-point shooting I still think might be a little over his head but you know as he gets stronger as he becomes a better athlete I I don't think this percentage is something that can't be replicated I'm just still really surprised it's this high this early yeah and, and a quick thing I just I think one thing that I know the stats recently have been going up for him because he's been inserted in the starting lineup. And we, I think we've seen, I think someone had pulled it up or uh, it was mentioned in one of the shows I was listening to. He was averaging 26 points since he started his, obviously, I mean, when you get more minutes, more stuff, we don't know if it's sustainable, probably not, but 
as time goes on, did you see kind of that comfortableness? And it seems like the Hornets are the perfect team as far as he has guys who can run with. I, I mean, I'm a fan of Miles Bridges and his finishing ability, and he's been destroying people. Malik Monk, he's been making a lot of three-pointers, but we all know he can jump. Malik Monk can definitely jump and definitely have him. One thing, too, is I know the teams that he played with beforehand – when he was in New Zealand and was a, wasn't Lithuania. I'm trying to think the European league he played at what country. I, I can't remember but right now. I think, I think it should be said something that that professional experience may be in a bigger, smaller league. It is something. I think that, that having that experience playing with grown men already is something that should be noted. Like I'm not comparing him to Luca, but Luca, I mean, come in playing from real Madrid, Review Madrid, everyone's like, oh, he's playing overseas, but you guys kind of saw how ready he was. Level of competition, completely different, though, what Luca played compared to LaMelo. I will point that out. It is Luca played possibly in the second best league in the world. So just going to put it out there. But I do think that experience did help, but just saying. My two cents. Hey, I think it's I think it's the, the idea of playing against, you know, the grown men who are going to be physical with you. So, like, while it's a, it is still a new level of athleticism, you're used to people being more physical, especially, like, I think, you know, I think we could both say the, the NBL is a league that will kind of, you know, ground and pound you a little bit more like, you know, the Pistons and Pacers of old. Um, but like he had that experience and with, with, with that, like sure. Like there's people are better athletes now, which, you know, has to be expected, but he's, He's been able to adjust because he's used to getting hit. You know, he's used to getting grabbed. He just has to, you know, like I said, Richard talking about him being able to shoot from further out. That's now an asset as you know, yeah. if he needs to stay away from some physicality. He he can launch from, from deep. I think what's been most surprising is his finishing at the rim. Like, mm. that was one thing where, like, he tended to shy away from contact. But again, we're talking about the NBL, which is different than, like, the league that Killian Hayes played in. Or, you know, as far as the physicality, like, those guys like to uh, got some big bruisers, as, as was mentioned. Um, uh, but yeah, the finishing at the room, and I think just the three point percentage, those are the I think most shocking things that they're where they are at least right now. Maybe some of it's unsustainable, but but that, that you know, you're really just looking for flashes, especially in rookie year, especially in in this rookie year. I think. All right. So unless you guys don't have anything else to add, I'm ready to move on to the second one. So on number two on your board, Ethan had Tyrese Halliburton and Richard, you had Killian Hayes. Here we go already. We're differing a little bit. So I want to hear the explanation for both of these. Well, let's go short with Killian Hayes, Richard. Go ahead there because the man hasn't played a lot of games. It's really hard to say anything positive about him so far, but you're the Pistons fan. We get, we got him to Detroit. That's what you wanted. Yep. Um, go ahead and, and talk about Killian a little bit. I don't really have anything to say on him because of the small sample size. Yeah, small, small sample size all around. I've, I've, I've watched every game, so I have a pretty good feel for, for him. I think that the situation, the idea was, hey, we're going to go ahead and throw him to, to the Wolves, and he's going to be our starter. He was one of the, I mean, you look at LaMelo Ball coming off the bench. You look at um, Tyrese Halliburton, same thing. And, and those guys, those guards getting, getting time. Well, he was... He was put in position to to lead the Pistons as their starting point guard from day one, uh, coming out of a pandemic and all that stuff. And the thing that was tough is his shot was not there. Like, his shot was very bad, and it seemed as though as he was kind of going through, he was kind of in his own head. Now, he was kind of a noted slow starter 
as far as the season went along in some of his other stints as well, it kind of got better, the more, uh, more comfortable. I, I mean, what are, it's rare that rookie guards are good. Like we should just say that off the, off the bat. It's rare, like Lamella ball and um, uh, like John Morant, like those are rarities. And it, what we ended up seeing was that Killian Hayes just, he wasn't making shots. He was getting, he was finding some good passes. That was about all you could, well, you could say also say he, his effort level and I think his defensive uh, awareness were pretty good for, from what I was noticing. But outside of that, it, it we can't lie. It's, it's been a tough start for him. The, the goal is that he's hopefully able to come back. I think in about four weeks, you might be able to see him. I think at the end of March, he might be back. And guess what? Pistons are driving the, 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 the tank train and it's all part of the plan. Cade Cunningham, 2021. All right. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who we were both higher on than the consensus, but Ethan, you had him up at number two and that seems, well, seems pretty wise right now. Well, and see, I, I, I do have a hard time with this big board. Cause like the more I look at it, the more like, I, there's some places where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to put him up there high because he's going to be this, and he's never going to be more than this. But I know he's going to be this, and that, and I slot him you know, below some potential people. And I, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton gives me a lot of frustration, not because of him, because of the narrative around Tyrese Halliburton, because that everyone grabbed him up and claimed him as theirs. And people talking about Tyrese Halliburton like he's going to be a superstar – irks me because it's putting an unfair expectation on this kid who is an incredible third banana like is where he probably taps out you know really good shooter good second second side um driver and facilitator can hit honestly has been a way better at hitting you know off the dribble shots than i ever would have expected um but all that's set up by his passing and by his ability to uh to dribble like I love him, and I I knew he would be good. I knew I knew he would be this good, but I the only like I am kind of still surprised I put him this high in the ranking because like for the most part I put potential higher up the the list. But I guess what it came down to is I'm like, no, nah, this guy is gonna be. I think right now I'm gonna let me go to his stats real quick. Right now he's at like uh, 13 points per game, and you know f- four rebounds. Yeah, here, here it is. He's at 13 points per game, three and a half rebounds, five and a half assists. So I think his career, you know, two, let's say two years down the road is going to be like 18, 19 points, five rebounds and seven assists playing next to another good guard or a facilitating wing. And that's why he, I still had him so high because he is going to be consistent, 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 and part of a winning organization. Undoubtedly. Elkin, honestly, he just plays great ball, and I knew I'd get that from him. That's why I had him so high. Yeah, and just watching him, I tuned into some Keens games because I was interested to see mainly how De'Aaron Fox was going to do. But just seeing him there, and you kind of see a compliment to him. It was nice seeing him coming off the bench and then kind of getting more minutes in the rotation. And you kind of see him as one of the more NBA-ready guys because there's those guys that – and we all, I think we always hear with rookies is how quick can they get a feel for the game? Because the NBA seems to be normally quicker and more physical than a lot of other leagues. Like, that's what it comes down to. A lot of guys who are rookies can adjust to it, but he's been adjusting really well. And I remember everyone I heard, even, and I think you guys brought it up too, that this wasn't going to be an issue. But, like, everyone was like, oh, his shot release, his shot release. 
his shot. Like everyone was just like, what's going to happen? But you see, he is, he's been shooting pretty good from three point land on pretty good amount of attempts. I don't, I don't have the percentages in front of me right now. I'm looking at the big board. 43%. 43%, which is obviously really good. And I've been impressed by him and just seeing him. And I know there's a lot of teams that you guys are like, they should have picked him up before the Keens got him. And I know there's a few teams that are happy with their pick, but there's some teams that you guys know who picked before the Keens. You guys were like, what are you thinking? Why would you do that? Richard, go ahead. What What are your thoughts on Halliburton? Well, I had him sixth on, on, on my board. Um, the like we we're saying, yeah, he's kind of coming. He's going to be NBA ready, probably the most NBA ready out of the bunch. Uh, we we basically said, hey, Golden State should take this guy, um, and it's just that the type of like he's been one of the uh, players who've been able to drive and, and help his team win, um, which obviously the Kings are kind of struggling now. But you know, there there are other issues. Cough cough, Marvin Bagley for that, um, but. Uh, you, the thing that was tough about his shot release was not from three. It was the off the dribble stuff. And, um, so, so, I mean, we still kind of have to see how that goes. These guys really didn't have an off season to work with their teams. They really were just kind of thrown into the fire. And I think that that would really, you know, for, for a guy like this, who is NBA ready, could just come in, do his job, play his role. He makes excellent decisions when he, um, uh, he makes excellent decisions with the ball. We should just say, and because of that, he's put in. He, he puts other people into great positions to succeed. He plays. You know, he's able to make the right reads. And if you can do that as a rookie, like that's that's really great. The question is with him upside. Where can he? Where are there areas for his future development? That's the question. And I think it's just volume related. I think I think like his percentages are gonna stay the same. It's just can he you know handle the uptick? I mean, he's not he's not a particularly big fella. Like, does he ever get to the point where he drives the rim with some fervor? Um, does he get to the point where like so he can like really like get some mid range shots? I know it's not the most efficient, but like closing out a game, sometimes you need that mid range in your in your bag. But I like I said I. I I put him there as he will be potentially a third best player on a championships level team. If he's surrounded by the right other types of players, um, which, you know, Darren Fox might be one of those, but the Kings are definitely, I think missing that best player on a championship team right now. Um, also all the role players that you have to have, but like I said, I, I, I already staged up his volume to where he's like 18, 18, five and seven, seven being the assist, you know, as that, I lead second units forever and I, I score points by making, you know, all the shots that are open. I, and I don't have to take that many, but if I get an open opportunity, I'm pouring it in every time I'm pouring it in. And I, I don't see why that would change. I think he was a good pick. Uh, should have been picked earlier. The rumors are that he wanted to guide himself to that particular team, but guess what? He should have taken, sons should have taken him anyways. Um, we, we've been on that train for, since, yeah. since draft night, <laughs> yeah, man, like, and I, I stand behind our Warriors take too because, yeah. like, I I think especially as Clay, if if and when Clay comes back, he's going to be like you know rotating down a position because quickness is going to be more of an issue. And I think the Steph Halberton Clay, you know, backcourt with Clay being part of the front court, blah blah blah. Like, 
I would have loved to watch that. I would have loved to see four guys who are all laser beams with three pointers play on the same court together. Like, just like that. That's a little bit of a frustration, especially when I think you can find good bigs. Like that. That's where you spend your mid level if you need to like set yourself apart and get one that is you know more of your liking. You don't need to spend a high draft pick on them unless they're you know they're super duper good, which Wiseman might be. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to the next one. Once again, we're back. Like minding this, Isaac Okoro. So that is both of you guys' third prospect on the board. This is an interesting one um, because you know defensively, he's been very good. You know, going to be very good at the point of attack, uh, able to handle twos and threes. Uh, the largest of the wings might be tough for him to be able to contest shots just because again his size like again if he was six foot eight then like he would uh, you know there, there's 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 like a no doubt defense like he would be one of the best defensive players could be one of the best defensive players in the league and I think he can be at least at his position here I, I think he can defend one through three exceedingly well now the questions have come on the offensive end the player comps that um that we kind of had, like I had Stanley Johnson combined with Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, Ethan, you had James Posey with Tony Allen. So like where it's the, it's the offensive questions that we have questions on. And, and if the goal is, can he get his offensive level up to a point where he can be making threes? He does so much, so many other things throughout the course of a game. Uh, he's able to facilitate well. He's able to, um, uh, he gets offensive boards. Again, that was a thing where people were like, oh, is he going to be able to... He gets offensive rebounds. Um, Why doesn't like, he get defensive ones, though? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's a question. Like, it's like he, he has almost... His, like, well, it's, it's a good question. I don't know. I, I, we, I remember us watching Auburn together. You know, obviously, in my, uh, I loved some Samir Dowdy. We were talking about all their other players. And Okoro was the uh, the guy we're watching, and we're like, oh, why is rebounding something people think he can't do? Look at him, he's, and he's always grabbing that offensive board. I do wonder if like part part of it is just he's when he's assigned to somebody, he's locked in on that person. It's like you're not going anywhere, you're not scoring. It's harder to get a rebound when you're you know face guarding or you're the guy defending the guy taking the shot. So that that, that checks out a little bit, but it, it does crack me up that he has a uh, 30 offensive rebounds and 80 rebounds total. So he almost has like an inordinate percentage of those rebounds are offensive compared to like anyone else you would look at. No one else has that many offensive rebounds with that few of defensive rebounds. <laughs> it just doesn't track. Isaiah Stewart's the closest, um, I think, in the ratio, and he's got 70, 76 to one hundred and seventy-eight. So, yeah, so it's it's, it's odd. It, it's odd for sure. Um, but I still like him long term. I, I probably just like the the upside question is like you know if what is his, what is his. What is his ceiling offensively? That that that's again just the question. I guess it was the question coming out. What can he do? Um, again, we wanted him to be used more as as a screener. Um, we'll see. It's it's early on, um, but him being with those Cleveland guards, I think 
if you can find other, I mean, I guess I got Jared Allen now. So it's maybe you want Jared Allen as your screener and rolling, but you just have more, you, you have more options. The question is just, he needs to be able to get his three point percentage up into that 35 to 37 range. Um, even if he's not taking, and I think also on, I guess, reason, reasonable volume that way, that's somewhat of a threat. I, I was kind of thinking, like, obviously he doesn't have the pop athleticism like Miles Bridges, but Miles Bridges is a, is a big time roller for the, uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. And I kind of think that that's what a needs. He needs to be that roller. Um, I think he's good enough passer that if he catches it in the short roll, he can make some decisions. That's what he did. Like he, he, he made most of the decisions for that Auburn team. Um, I also think that playing with guards that have a more passing focus is going to, is going to help him tremendously. Colin Sexton, while he's steadily improving, really efficient, like really solid score. Like I, I can't say enough how impressed I am with Colin Sexton's shooting ability, which y'all too are very familiar with that narrative. Um, but he's not much of a passer, which is something that has surprised me. I think if Isaac Core was playing with a a, gar- a guard that was a little bit more passing, pass first or just pass equally, I think we'd see a Coro doing a little bit better especially if they got him in that screening screening action. Yeah, definitely. Just from what I've seen in his game, I mean, he's you don't expect him to create a lot, but definitely in that role kind of, I was going to, I should say rolling role. It's a lot of R's, some alliteration right there. It'll be nice to see it because looking at his shooting percentages, I mean, right now his three-point three percentage only has 31. His overall field goal percentage is, is 41. Um, in college, do you guys know, or do you guys know how he did in college? It, it, it honestly, I, I think it's going to be very similar. I'm going yeah, to try wanna, and pull up his college stats. Cause that's one thing I look, quick. I mean, he's only shooting about three, three pointers per game. That's where he's at right now. So here's it. Here's his college yeah. stats. Se- 67 from the free throw line, mm-hmm. which I, I remembered that being a match. So I was looking at that because <laughs> it's kind of a joke that we had. Yeah. If he, if he got fouled and didn't make the shot. He would go. He'd miss the first, make the second. If he got fouled on and one, he always completed the and one, and that's how he got the sixty-seven percent. Uh, I know it's it does not technically work out like that because that'd be a lot of and ones. But he's a strong boy. He got he yeah, got through a yeah, lot of yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. but a, a twenty-eight percent from three in college, mm-hmm. and a, but fifty fifty-one percent from the field. So that that athleticism was holding up a little bit better in the college game. But like I I kind of think he's doing as expected. I just think, you know, if he played with more of a passing yeah. guard versus Colin Sexton, who I love, and is a very good scorer, very good shooter. Once again, now that Richard's back and paying attention, very good shooter, Colin Sexton. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I heard you. I mean, listen, listen we, did, did, did we not give our apology earlier? No, did we, did we not do oh, this? I'm, I'm sure you did, but you got to remember. I I'm, said I'm, I'm sorry in our Sorry I'm, Not Sorry podcast. I said it. I I have to always bring it up that if I say someone can shoot, we have to trust me on this. I can't <laughs> wait to find the 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 the, the particular person. Um, here's my only issue with with him. Then let's move forward because we've been, we've been belaboring Isaac Okoro. Um, having two other guards that are going to be as ball dominant, I, I don't know what that like. If you have Garland and Sexton. Uh, I feel like that does limit some of the of the uh, ways that you can use a Coro a little bit uh, for his development, but you know it's okay. We'll we'll see how it goes long term. I don't think that they've figured out 
what you know they're, they're trying to get that extra that that number one player still themselves. So we'll we'll see how that goes long term. Send him to the Draymond Green school. If he can get a, if he can get to some of those passing abilities, it's all fixed. All right, so let's go ahead and look at the fourth person you guys had. You guys both had James Wiseman. Kind of. Kind of. I oh, had yeah. Wiseman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had Wiseman you fifth. You flipped it. Oh, yeah, but yeah. With, with the preemptive, like in Ethan and I's discussion the last time, I, w- I was like, if he goes to the Warriors, I reserve the right to bump him up to four. He did, so I did. Yeah. And say so it's one of those things that when you have the high picks – you can kind of you kind of have a better idea where they might go. You 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 know, and so you're like this team bad, this team good, and we, we the, the Warriors are going to get, I think the most you can get out of James Wiseman, which is why he should should be bumped up. It's fair. Uh, Wiseman, you know, playing well for the most part. You know, can't catch the ball. I think is the the biggest complaint I've seen out there is that, oh he just bobbles all these good passes, but uh, he's a uh, when he's when he's been available, he's played all right. You know, he he finishes the ball relatively efficiently. Shooting threes was not the thing I was expecting. He's still at a uh, a really high percentage there of forty three and a half percent. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but not not the free throw percentage to uh, validate it, as it were. Um, what do you think, guys? He's you know, obviously big, pretty athletic. I compare him to Hassan Whiteside. He's getting to shoot threes a little bit more than Hassan, you know. But what do you think, guys? He's uh, He's been all right. Yeah, I, I mean, it, just just looking at him, um, number one, he's taken 23 three-pointer attempts. So let's the, – the idea is that he could space it out from three and I think in the ideal situation, he is a big that can pick and pop. Um, overall, I think that what you've seen is, has been good and fine from him. Uh, the issue is just that again, in the moment it was, well, we, we took Wiseman. It's the day after clay destroys his Achilles. Uh, there were people out there who said, no, I think if, if they had one extra day to like think about it, they probably would have gone Lamella ball, which, we would have, I mean, ha- having the number one prospect, we, we did have like questions and, and some concerns. So, well, is that the place we really wanted to go with Steph and Clay when we were talking about all that stuff pre pod? But I mean, the moment that Clay went out, you kind of do need people who can move the ball. That's why Tyrese Halliburton would have made more sense and why we probably had him there just to begin with because of the spacing he could provide initially. But I mean, the this Warriors team, uh, the moment Draymond came back and could facilitate to the level that he has been, it opens up a lot for everyone else. Imagine what someone like LaMelo could do um, next to those guys. And and so it's just kind of tough when you are, I mean, not as tough as uh, Anthony Edwards, which eventually we'll talk about um, taking him over, um, uh, over uh, LaMelo ball. But at the same time, I think Wiseman, it's not going to be as bad as Trey Luca because of the initial trade, but I think as far as that discussion goes, but I think that Wiseman is probably going to always be known as like, ah, they could have the middle of ball and they went for, they went for Wiseman instead. Yeah. He just hasn't popped yet. Right. And he's he's had some, he's had some, you know, staying on the court problems so far. I mean, not, not horrible, but he's missed some time. I think at the end of the day, Wiseman might catch his stride 
a little late. Like, for the Curry era. Like, Curry's going to be good probably for the rest of his contract, which I think is another three years. Um, but I'm, I am a little worried that in terms of extent, like, this is now talking about the Warriors more so than Wiseman. I'm worried that Wiseman won't catch his stride until Curry is no longer, like, a, as good and amplifying everyone around him like he currently does. And that will kind of be like the, oh, you know, Wiseman's not doing it for us. He might hit, flip the switch at, you know, in year four, be a 20 and 10 guy and, you know, play solid defense, be able to switch a little bit. But it might it might just be too late. And that's that's going to be the rub for Warriors fans if Curry can't carry a team anymore. And that's when Wiseman's just fine or like, you know, good big man. But like, unless you're the Joel Embiid type, you're not really a big man that like dr- drives a team. So I'm worried that they, they won't get on the same same track. I'm not, I'm not even sure again that Wiseman is that is that player long term, which is part of the reason why I wanted him to go to a team like this where he could be put into and fit into his role um, a bit better, and be able to be coached up by 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 a Draymond and 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 so I like I do think this is the best fit for him long term. I think that he is going to be a good big, especially for them. But I do think you're right, like. I don't think he's ever going to get to the point during Steph's reign where he he's where where he is up in that upper echelon. I mean, Joel Embiid is one of the I think as far as big prospects throughout um, you know the recent past history, like he's in the discussion for MVP. We really haven't had that type of a big um, in these discussions since like you know the Tim Duncan and Shaq and those types of like a, a, and so. It's, it, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure why he quite gets there. Um, one thing that you had an issue were, with was his with his legs and and how skinny they were. Um, yeah, but, I still have that problem. It's it's, it's a it's a defensive thing. Mm-hmm. Like I think like I, I was mentioning, I only mentioned Joel Embiid to say he's never going to be that. That's that's all yeah. reason I mentioned him. But like, I specifically was thinking about Hassan Whiteside and what he was doing for the Miami Heat when they still had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, et cetera, like a good team when he was, you know, coming off the bench here and there. And that year he got up to 14 points and 11 rebounds per game. Then, you know, some bad years where he was the best, like theoretical best player on the team where he was getting 17 and 14, 14 and, and 11. Like I can't, I, I, I think Wiseman gets to that point and extends the, the length of what, how long he can do that kind of thing. But the, the rub is how much is that important when Steph Curry is no longer, you know, the best point guard in basketball. But like that, those that that three year span of Whiteside where he's like you know efficient, uh, points, rebounds, and honestly was still a pretty good defender for that era. And I think Wiseman will be a pretty good defender for this era once he gets his legs under him a little bit. I I, I honestly think I nailed the comp, guys. That's all I'm getting at. I was just gonna say, like, it would it would make sense for us to. I mean, we talked talked about Wiseman, the kind of as far as the um, uh, one of the bigs, but we we've got our next big, and so I don't know if we I don't know if we, if you want us to go there or not. Yeah, let's let's go on to the next big. I think we should go on. Uh, and this is the guy that Richard said he had flipped. He had in front of Wiseman, Onyeka Kongwu. So that's who both of you guys had in this range in the top five. I liked Kongwu. 
uh, going in. I, I thought that, again, the unless Wise went to the Warriors, that the, you know, range of outcomes, he would be kind of ahead of him. I mean, it's close. Although now with Okungwu going to a team like Atlanta, I am a little bit concerned and worried just about that situation only because of them trying to figure out what, you know, they want to win now. Like, otherwise the whole regime is getting ousted and then we've got a new regime coming in with Trey Young being the guy there. And we've got Clint Capella on a semi-long contract. You've got John Collins that you're trying to figure out what to do with him as kind of the four slash five, although not, not really good enough defensively to be a five. And I, I guess if, if Capella just weren't there and they were okay with being more patient, I would have less concerns. Um, but coming in injured, Okungwu wasn't really able to, you know, get that time. I mean, no, no rookie really was, but coming in injured especially, not getting time early, early in the season and just being in, in and out of the lineup and playing and you've got Capella there. I just, it's a tough situation you also have like Bruno Fernando, a second-year guy who's not wanting to give up his minutes to. Uh, it's like I just I worry a little bit in that regard. Not anything that has to do with Akungu's talents or skills. It's just I, I do worry about those other factors with him, and I, I hope that those get taken care of because I want Akungu to succeed. Yeah, no, I I I like Akungu a lot. I I didn't care for the band comparisons, but I thought he was going to be a good player. Like, I, th- I honestly think it comes down to this. Like, the Hawks should have took Denny Avdia. Like, I-, I-, I firmly believe that. And that would have been a better fit. Like, Avdia can, you know, play next to John Collins if you're going small. He can play next to Capella if you're if you're, st- if you're staying big. You know, like, if he, if he just sw- sw- uh, sub Collins out. And Okongwu should have went to Washington. They both would be playing. Okongwu would have played more. Uh, I think... Um, What's his name? Of Dia would have played the same amount, and it would have that that would have just been better for both prospects. Um, is just not playing right now. Obviously, the health thing that that like makes it hard to judge him. But the Hawks are the worst place to be because, like you said, you mentioned Bruno Fernando, Clint Capella, John Collins tra- playing small ball five. Like all that pushes him out, and it's it's really just not a fair situation for him for evaluation purposes. Especially like I don't care what anyone says about Trey Young. Um, I. I don't think he helps his teammates get better because he just holds onto the ball and throws it to him when they, all they have left to do is shoot. And you could say that's, you know, playmaking, but I would, I would say that's, you know, isol, isol, isolating your teammates. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I, I just had to get my Trey Young hate in there. This is the first location that after Isaac Okoro was off the, off the board, this is the first place I wanted Tyrese Halliburton to go to. I thought he would have been a helpful uh, partner out there. Um, Get the and, ball out of Trey Young's hands a little bit. Yeah, it is just to be be able to. I, I just think it would have been a good fit, um, and especially with with their team and and, and their needs going forward. Uh, I mean, if Capella is there, I mean, the issue is that you know, well, Capella was injured. We have him for a few years on a reasonable contract for a for a big. If the big is a good big, um, and it's just, I'm concerned. Um, and my concerns have nothing to do with Akungu as a prospect, just everything to do with Akungu's situation. So we'll see. We'll see going forward. Hope it's not a problem. Cool. 
I don't trust Atlanta. Let's go on, go on <laughs> to the next one. All right, one. so the next one on this spot, we got first mention of the number one pick, Anthony Edwards. Ethan had him on his big board, number six. And Richard, you didn't mention him until number 10 on your board. Yeah. I, mean, I got reasons, but I'm, I'm going I'm to let number six talk. Go ahead, number six. Well, at the end of the day, Anthony Edwards, like this is, you couldn't let the physical specimen fall any further for my rankings. Um, like the percentages are, are very similar to college. Like he shot, I think, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he shot 40% from the field in college and um, is shooting 37 right now. I'm trying to pull it up. I know, he sh- I know he shot 31 in college and he's shooting 31. Oh, he shot 29 in college. I don't know why I thought it was 31. But yeah. Anyway, like I, I just look at him and I'm like, he's still out there making some dumb decisions with the basketball, but I think he's actually improved his playmaking in terms of the vision. He's seeing more passing angles might, might, might just be a more spread floor. Kind of like what we talked about, Richard, that the NBA game was going to be better for him. Um, I, I do wonder if he'll like ever have a remote chance of living up to the number one pick zone. And that seems unlikely, but I, I still see a, a base here of a pretty good basketball player, even this many games in. I know his efficiency's down, but he, he shoot, he's shooting a good free throw percentage. So the shot is it's, it's there. If he can figure out that I don't have to take this bad shot because his biggest problem with his shot is sometimes he'll rise up and be like, uh-oh, I'm not going to get this off the way I want to. And he's not that kind of athlete where he can figure it out once he's in the air. If, if the contest is good, he's not figuring it out. And he takes a lot of con- contested shots. So there there it is. But I'll defend six on the big board all day because it's like this guy's still such an athlete. If you can get him in a system that's not Minnesota, like one of the worst places to be a prospect, yeah, I'm, I'm in on honing a couple things here and there. So, so here's, here's where I, here's where I'm at um, on him. I'm in the same spot that I was back when we were doing all of this pre-draft analysis. It's not changed for me. It's, it's the same. My long, my, the reason why I have him lower than some of the people that I have on, on the big board ahead of him, uh, we'll find out I've got Sadiq Bey, Desmond Bain, Tyra Lewis, um, ahead of him on this big board, which I think the Desmond Bain one's probably just going to be the one that's like the, the, the one that, 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 that shocks most people. It's, it's just that I think, I don't think that Anthony Edwards, when his career is done, is going to be a player that is going to contribute well to winning basketball. Um, I, I think that he can, if he, just, just his style of play, that he, it hasn't changed. Um, it, it hasn't, it's a, still the same concerns, still the same issues. Um, it, I, I just, I, I just have, I have problems with, we, we said before, if he just attacked the rim like we saw, like like we saw him do on, on the dunk that went everywhere. Like if he does that and, and he attacks the rim, it to open up easier shots for him on the on the outside. Then that's the that's his way towards success on the offensive end and efficiency. Yeah, definitely for sure. I just don't think he's doing that. And I think I think for me watching him a lot, sometimes I just want to take him and sit him down. And just put on Dwayne Wade highlights 
and just let him watch those Dwayne Wade highlights when Dwayne Wade first came into the league because I think Ethan brought up something how he has a base. Like, he has those tools to be a slasher like Dwayne Wade. We're not saying he's going to be as great as player as Dwayne Wade, but because of his body, the, the way he's able to get into the lane, he has athleticism. I feel like he just needs to focus on that and say, like, all right, this is going to be my area. Just try to get in. And I know the league is different almost 20 years ago when Dwayne Wade came in to now, but just watching him in some games, you just see him. And, like, I've tuned into a few of those games on NBA nights, and I see him, like, chucking it up. I'm like, why? And then you see him, like, all right, I'm just going to go in. I'm just, When he makes up his mind, he's like, I'm just going to drive. And you're like, this is something great is going to happen. Like, he might get fouled. He might make a shot over someone. But he's creating chaos because he's going in. And oftentimes, because of the way his body is, sometimes he's able to outmuscle the guards who are guarding him as well. That's what I've seen from him. I, I was going to bring this up. It's like, he's actually, like, Minnesota, being Minnesota – is not putting him in the best situation to succeed. Right now, he's playing a lot of the three, which, yeah, he, he gets he's he's getting to maintain his quickness advantage that he has on almost anyone who guards him. Um, but he's losing his muscle advantage when he's getting guarded by threes. So, like, it'd be nice if he could actually attack people that were, you know, quote-unquote, like size, and then he'd be that much stronger than them. Um, I, I like the, you know, I like the idea of him watching Wade videos, but to be honest, the guy I think he should watch, um, in, in a similar sense, which is a slightly more modern in terms of watching Dwayne Wade when he was a super athlete, completely different NBA. But I think you could roll back just a couple of years and Toronto DeMar DeRozan, just watching how he played with tempo, like getting, like getting him to just control all this explosiveness and then hit it in the bursts. I think you could see him succeed greatly. Like DeMar DeRozan has just done, such a number on how he's played basketball forget the facilitation part which is like a godsend for san antonio this this guy used to just be a dunker got the 20 points per game then he hit the mid-range tried to go to three didn't work out came back to mid-range like but always could get to his spot because demar Derozan's a, a super athlete so is anthony edwards it's all about tempo though you just gotta you know, rock him get him a little off balance and then go like when he learns that, he, he might never be like the guy who drives winning because it's the, if the three-pointer doesn't come around, that's tough. But can he be one of those guys who keeps a, a, de- a, a bad team to being decent? I think so. Yeah, it's just, I look and yeah. for me, I want him actually just to watch Zion Williamson tape. Like, like honestly, just, just, just to – I. <laughs> Where, where, where my I have a one track mind. I'm trying to get to the rim. Obviously, he doesn't have he has physical advantages over people. Obviously, Zion's weird in, in how he's able to do it, and it's not going to be to the effectiveness because Zion is a brick wall. But at the same time, if his mind is thinking I need I need to get to the rim, and that's what I, I he doesn't even need to develop that much of a three point shot. Like Zion doesn't either, but he, the way he's able to drive the offense is really impressive. And while a lot of people who maybe haven't watched Anthony Edwards or didn't watch him in college and, and didn't see, like, again, the his approach to me looks the same. And his thought process and the way that he goes about getting his buckets looks, I don't see that as being changed. And that's why I worry that it's not going to. Um, and, and because of that, if, if I'm trying to... 
if I'm trying to have a player, I would rather have a player who I know can be a part of a winning situation if that's my goal as a team, which is why I had him down as low as I did. Still had a number 10. Still think that he is, you know, there comes a point where it's just, okay, at this point, this guy is, um, can bring something to the table. Maybe I can get the most out of him. Maybe I can get him to think a little bit differently. But for me, there are just a few other people who I'd rather have because I think I can get them fitting into winning situations. And, and it's primarily because of those guys' basketball IQ, which is where I think, and here, which I know he hasn't been playing basketball quite as long, and, and there's the hope that maybe he can develop it. But I, I just, I worry a little bit on that end. That's why, that's where I am on Anthony Edwards. Well, speaking of guys who fit into every situation, Elkin, the next man on our list. Yeah, and this is, uh, as as I message you guys, this is going to be the last person I'm going to call out because your boy has a baby to take care of. Um, so the next person you guys have brought up, and this is brought up through Richard, number seven on Richard's big board is one Sadiq Bey, who I'm sure Richard is ecstatic about this one, having him up there on his board, which Ethan had just a little bit, just one down, just one later at number eight so that's the next person on the board and on that one i am headed out it's nice potting as always guys very good to have you um thank, thank, thank you for stepping in okay sadiq bay this is the, i wanted again i in the draft i was not considering that he could end up on my team because we only had a pick at seven and while i have him ranked seventh guess what I knew that Anthony Edwards was going to be taken before him, so he just wasn't going to go to the Pistons. And I don't think it would have been a wise pick for the Pistons at that point in time because, again, we're, we're trying to swing for upside, and that's the hope for, for, for Killian. But him, I, I wanted him to be on a team like the Boston Celtics. Somewhat like I remember pushing for, I mean, you actually, in the mock draft we did with Elkin, pushed for him to go early, and he went early to Chicago. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But like, the, 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 they ended up going with Patrick, um, uh, Patrick Williams, who again, the upside for Patrick Williams is, uh, is there, more so than I think, um, than Sadiq Bey. Uh, I, I would say just because of, I mean, Sadiq Bey has had his issues in the two-point range, has had issues with his, athleticism and being able to get by guys it just means that he has to find different ways to be effective on the offensive end when he isn't um shooting 41 percent from three on on a high number of attempts per game you just look at him and say hey he can he can guard threes and fours um he's not the quickest person but he knows where to be and that basketball iq for him and the next person i have on the board in desert bain are going to make sure that they're putting themselves in the best positions to be successful. And and, and he's just going to constantly find himself there. Uh, I know that he has kind of a low shot release. Um, it's kind of a weird one, but for three-point range, it's gone in. It just has made a little bit tougher for him in two-point range unless he's doing kind of a turnaround fadeaway, which he does from time to time, and it's okay. But it's one of the reasons why his two-point percentage is lower than his three point percentage. <laughs> so that's a fun, that is a funny little, little quirk. Of I, I, I'm not even looking at it. I just, I just am very much assuming it could be wrong now oh. at this point. It was, it was super low at the beginning. He was like shooting like 17% on uh, two point range yeah. earlier on. It's, Let me look at it now. It's, it's 40, 44%. From oh, two wow. Point good, good on, good on from him. Three. He got a few dunks in there. Yeah. No, I mean, he's just, he's just so solid. And like, I think it, he holds up defensively too. Like, 
It's just everything he does is just great stuff. Like, uh, there's a reason I wanted him to go to the Trailblazers. There's a reason I pushed for him to go to the like you know high in the little you know little mock draft we did. You know, I was like, hey, I'm gonna you know we're we're gonna be the kooky sportscaster right here. We're gonna we're gonna push push one guy up the board really high, even though you know it probably wasn't the right move. <laughs> but he's great. Again, you look at it like you look at these drafts in retrospect, and this is a unique draft where, like, again, there's more players than that I think will be quality NBA rotation players than even most drafts, which again was something that we were trying to kind of harp on and say. But like, when if you look at the history, like, okay, there's like ten guys from a draft that end up staying in, in being retained within a league, and it's like, all right, Sadiq Bay is going to be in the league for like. 10, 12 years, like it's going to happen, right? You know, like uh, Desmond Bain's going to be in the league for a long time as well. So like, let me go ahead and get these guys in my top 10, even if they aren't what you would consider to be like top 10, um, uh, you know, ceilings, right? You know, it's it's been that kind of a draft where it's like, you didn't have the, you have LaMilla Ball and that was really kind of like it as far as the uh, top tier potential talent. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, if I'm not getting that, if I'm not getting that type of guy, let me get guys who I know can play basketball. And that's that's kind of a trend with with kind of how I handled this draft class, I think. Yeah, and then Sadiq Bay just embodied everything. Yep. Oh, wonderful. I, I I'm I'm still disappointed he went to the Pistons because. He's putting up all these all these great stats on just a team that's it's irrelevant for the most part. If Boston had taken him over Aaron Neesmith, like it would it would have been very helpful for them this like this year. It, it would have been very very helpful for them, but they didn't. And he made them he made them pay. He like went. I'm pretty sure. I think I think the game he went seven for seven from three was against Boston. And yeah, so I'm pretty sure as well. It's like take take that, uh, Bill Simmons. Okay, um, the next one I had was Desmond Bain. Um, I mean, same thing, Desmond Bain, what, if you go and look at all the rookies and look at the three-point percentage, yeah, you'll see a couple guys above Desmond Bain, but they've taken like one or two or ten three-pointers all year, so it's like small sample size. When, when you get to Desmond Bain, he has taken almost 100 threes, and he's shooting just a shade under 45% from three. Like, he had a flamethrower. We all knew it. People got scared that he his arms weren't long enough. Guess what? It doesn't matter because again, your IQ, your your IQ. He's gonna put himself. He's gonna be a good team defender because he knows where to be. He knows how to rotate. You can. Those guys are valuable, and he's found his way. I know the Memphis Grizzlies have had some issues with uh, health this year, but he's found his way into the starting lineup. And one could argue, hey, if I've got John Moran out there, I need to make sure I have the spacing. And shooting for him, and so my best fit might be to have a Desmond Bain out there alongside of John Morant and like Kyle Anderson, who's been shooting real well from three this year, and a few like while Jaron Jackson Jr. is not out there to provide that extra spacing, someone like Desmond Bain has been very helpful for the Ridleys, and we loved their we loved their draft, and I love I love Desmond Bain, so that's why I put him uh, right here. Yeah, and I, I I think I was expressing this pre-pod is like th- th- there's there's some mistakes I made and Desmond Bain like I was very high on him as well like you know in the uh, old color coded like how high up and down are you from consensus I was still what is that color like eleven spots higher or so, so, somewhere in that range t- yeah. somewhere between six and 
12, something like that. Anyway, so like I was still higher on him, but I guess like like I'm looking at the three the three names directly above him, and it's Preston Chua, who you know, really good athlete. Tyrese Maxey, you know, theoretically great scorer, and um, Ty- Tyrell Terry. Um, who I feel like the biggest mistake I have on my board um, being so high, but he also hasn't played much as he's very young and playing for a team that doesn't have time to mess around as they fell behind early in the, in the, in the year. Um, but doesn't, we knew he was going to be great. He knew he was going to be a great shooter. And I honestly think there's more to his game that he's going to develop as, you know, weak side picking like, Oh, I got the ball. Come, come set a screen real quick. I can do some creation. There's so, I, I think there's still more to be had. His passing has even been like some of his passes are even in this rookie year. Like like wow, I can't I can't believe he he just made that pass and it's he the the speed with which he can get that um those passes into the right places is really impressive. Uh, just just again go go watch a Grizzlies game. Just watch Desmond Bain. Watch him play and and I think that you'll see it. Yeah. Now now what I can't wait for is for the Grizzlies just barely miss the playoffs. They win the lottery, and they grab a, a Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, maybe Kate Cunningham if they win-win the lottery. And woo-woo-woo. Can you imagine, Richard? We got John Morant, Desmond Bain, insert, wingy rookie, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier, Xavier Tillman. I don't know why I wanted to go Xavier there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Xavier Henry used to play for the Grizzlies. I don't know if that's what triggered it. Probably. Um, but, man. What a time that could be, Richard. What a time no, that could I don't, be. I don't, I don't like it because the Pistons are getting Kate Cunningham. I don't know what anyone well, else we can to have, say about that. Well, so. we can have Jalen Green go to Memphis. It just needs to be a, a wingy person. And Jalen Green's a wing. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see whenever we get to, the, to those types of players. We'll, we'll see how it yeah. shakes let, out. Let okay. me just be hype for no reason. Fair enough. Um, okay, now we get to our next ones. Uh, number nine, you had uh, Denny of Dia. Um, I had him at number 11. Um, you mentioned earlier is like you haven't watched as many as much Wizards during this stretch, since and they've so been good. <laughs> since since they've been good, and so I saw a uh, I saw some dumb post, you know, aggregator type of thing, just trying to you know get retweets or reposts. I don't know. It was who's the defensive player of the year on every team, uh, and yeah, I saw that. the Wizards one was Russell Westbrook, and that's wrong. Denny of D is the best defensive player on the Wizards. And I just wanted to make that point. Maybe you could you could argue Isaac Bonga, but like ah, Isaac Bonga, but uh, but it's like we're, we're talking about like <laughs> two two defensive players on the entire team, like two reasonable players at the defensive position, and and that that's just tough. But all, they've all, steered into all, all offense, no defense with with this with their with their new roster. That's about all I can tell you about the Wizards of Love. And, and with with Denny specifically, what I can what I can definitely express is that he I I when I watch them play and I, I have watched them play like a reasonable amount this year just because they are a fun team to watch because you know they'll play with pace. The thing about Denny though is he makes the right rotations. Like I think I don't think he's looked out of place athletically um, on the court. Like mm-hmm. it, he hasn't stuck out like oh no, that's not going to hold up. He's not a good enough athlete. I don't I don't think that's that would be true at all. Um, his three-point percentage hasn't been, you know, a laser, but he's 35, so he's, you know, for a power forward, he's kind of doing the doing the deal. Um, I honestly think he's he's just an okay player on a team that you know is not suited to like develop people right now. Um, I and I do I do think he's the best defensive player on that team, other than Isak Banga. Um, he might be better, but like I said, I wish he I wish he's playing for the Hawks. I really do. And I wish uh, Aneka Kongu was playing for the Wizards. 
yeah, I mean, we should just make that trade, <laughs> please. Um, uh, man. So yeah, I, I had I, I agree with everything you said. I think again, he can grow into doing a little bit more. It's just you're not going to have much facilitation responsibilities when you've got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. So like, there's that aspect of it that's really not being super you're not tapped touch into. The, you're not going to touch the ball much if you have uh-huh, those people. Yeah. Like, even for finishing plays. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, next, uh, uh, I had for, I had Kyra Lewis Jr. Number nine. You had him ten. He also is just beginning to kind of semi-peek into the rotation. Um, there was a little bit of time where I thought, oh, man, it's happening as the um, as the Pelicans were imploding. But then uh, they've since turned it around. And, I mean, L- Lonzo Ball has, has, has turned around his season as well. Like, he was struggling earlier on. He's now playing really, really good basketball. And so it's like you're just not quite seeing it out there but Kyra Lewis really really fast uh, I mean everything that I think we said before I think you can also say it's just it's one of those situations where at the moment just because of the weird spot the Pelicans are in he's not quite getting the volume and you know it's I I understand I, res- I respect it it's fine you know Stan's got to try to win uh it's I, I think he does fit what Stan would like long term um for for that team it's just we got to wait and see what they decide to do with Lonzo after this year. We got to see and decide what are they doing with uh, Eric Bledsoe. Do they do they move on from him? And you know you've got Nikhil Alexander Walker also there on the wing. So like how do they decide to handle this all this rotation going forward? We'll have to see. I, I'm not going to get too you know I watched a couple of the games that he played in against the Pistons because he did get some run in those games a little bit of run and you know he he looked. He looked good. He looked like he was able to handle it. I mean, our team was trying to punk him, uh, Josh Jackson in particular, uh, in, in those games. But you know what? It's I haven't seen anything to sway my opinion one way or the other on him as of late. So I, I like him. I got him there. Yeah. No, I I like him as well. Like, he is quick. I think his uh, finishing at the rim has still been like a thing. Like, when he gets past people um, and help comes, he still has had a little bit of a uh... – might still have a little bit of problem there. And I don't look at that as, you know, anything that's not to be expected. The, the guy is a small player, and I think almost all guards have a, a little bit of a transition period adjusting to the new athleticism that meets them at the rim. Um, I do I, – I still don't love the fit in New Orleans. I kind of just – I wish he would have – like, if, if Phoenix didn't want Halliburton, I wish they would have wanted Kyra. Yep. But – um, I, I just wish he had more opportunity to play. Um, but Lonzo Ball's been playing great. And honestly, because of Lonzo Ball's defensive chops, if he's making any threes, he's going to push everyone, people out of rotations. So it tracks. But I would really like him to him to get into the, the rotation a little bit more or I, I, another team. All right. Well, the next one, we had to, we both had the same. We already talked about Anthony Edwards. Um at number 11 for me, I have Patrick Williams. He's your number 12. You know, we've talked about him a little bit here in passing because of, you know, Sadiq Bay, like, joking to him to go into the Bulls at four. Uh, think about Patrick Williams. Um, he shows a lot of flashes, Richard. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure, again, like, the Bulls, they're kind of like a weird team. Like, they're kind of like the Orlando Magic of years prior. They got a lot of NBA players on that team. 
it, is he a three? Is he a four? That's the question. And right now with the Bulls and their roster, it's tough to tell. I mean, you've got Laurie Markkinen. You're trying to figure out how to play him. you got Wendell Carter. So it's like, well, can we push him to the five? Well, Markkinen really can't do anything at the five. But it's a question that I've seen from people I follow on Twitter who are really deep in really deep into NBA draft Twitter, um, who whose opinions I value and respect are, you know, thinking, well, who's the better prospect long-term? Patrick Williams or Jonathan Kaminga? And... This guy is, I think, leaning more toward Patrick Williams. And just the, the again, malleability of, of what he can potentially become. I think it's just figuring out, okay, well, what's his best? Um, you know, you mentioned this with Anthony Edwards. Like, you'd like to see him play against smaller guys so that he can have a better strength advantage. Well, what's going to be the best move for Patrick Williams? Do we want him to be a four? Do we want him to be a three? And... Uh, uh, I think long term, I, I I think that he'll be able to develop really well. It, apparently, the, the Pistons were one of the teams who really wanted to get him, and apparently Chicago said, "Nope, we're taking him." Um, uh, it's it's interesting. Um, we'll have to see, but I, he he's he's looked he's played under control when, when when I've seen him playing. He's he's played really well. He's kind of known he's known what to do. It's just he's not going to have right now the crazy numbers that are going to be popping up. But again. He can, can do a little bit of everything pretty darn well, and you can't bet against Florida State uh, wings. So just don't do it. And you'll, you'll be you'll you'll be in good in good shape. Yeah, never bet against Florida State wings. I, I I've I've still struggled with him trying to figure out what, where where he should go. And I I honestly do think I I, I distinctively remember Bill Simmons talking about Kevin Durant. I, this is not a Kevin Durant Patrick Williams comparison. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised from Bill at, 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 in these years. No, 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 no. It's, it's. This is, this is where I'm going with this. You'll, 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 you'll be with me here in a second. He, when he had Kevin Durant on his show a couple years ago, um, he was talking about how PJ Carlissimo ruined Kevin Durant's rookie season by playing him at the two guard, and I couldn't disagree more with that opinion because I think a lot of what the Kevin Durant you see today was a result of him be, be, being put in a bit of an uncomfortable situation, trying to dribble around a bunch of small people before he was ready to. Um, which honed his skills, made him more like a, the dead eye off the dribble as well as being a catch and shoot guy. I think Patrick Williams should be getting the same treatment. He should be playing the three. He should be dribbling the ball. He should be play, He should be like, having the ball in his hands a lot. I just don't think this team is the perfect spot for him based on all the good rotation players. The fact that they could. They should be, you know, in vying for the eighth seed based on the talent with Zach Levine. Like, I worry that he's not on the best development track because this team wants to win. They hired Billy Donovan for a very specific reason. I don't think he's a player development coach. I think he's a, I manage this team the way, I, I get what the team's supposed to get out of it. I don't move people along. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little sad with the fit is all. That's all I wanted to get expressed. And I also wanted to take a, a stab at Bill for saying uh, Kevin Durant shouldn't have developed as a guard. The First of all, Billy Donovan just bringing competence to the head coaching position in Chicago. Like, just, he, yes. He it's, takes the parts and he, and gets the sum, right? That's what yeah. he does? Yes. And uh, with Zach Levine, again, just having – the the offensive load that he's had and you know Kobe White not being the facilitator you know you're, you're just you're just not necessarily getting um you, yeah you, maybe you're not having him in 
in-game develop quite that extent. But guess what? It's not as if he, in particular, like necessarily needs that right this moment. Like you look at how he came out of Florida State as someone who was coming off the bench with with that with that particular team. You got you got you got, um, you know Vassell. You got uh, Forrest, who was um, uh, their 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 guard there. So I. I I don't know. I I'm I'm not as I think that he'll be fine as far as develop, development long term. They're gonna have to make some decisions about the rest of the roster, because if I look at it, it's like okay, well, Levine obviously has turned into something of they got to figure out what the what their goal is. Is Levine on the next good Bulls team, or is it time to package and send him to Miami? Right? Is is what's gonna happen? We we've talked about this before, but um, but Patrick Williams is the next is the most important other piece um, on, on this team. And one might argue he's probably more important for their long-term future than Zach Levine is um, just based off of the timeline of this potential rebuild. So the questions are not going to be, you know, how, how can we get Laurie Markin and how can we make, how can we maximize his fit? No, no, no. They're going to maximize Patrick Williams going forward. So I, I'm not as concerned. Yeah. It, it, but is, is Patrick Williams more important than Tyler Hero? is 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 patrick williams more important for the bulls future than tower hero is i i don't think so i think tower (laughs) hero is very important for the bulls future the next person we thought we had was devin vassell the other other Florida state um, Uh, wing who's who's done you know who's done what he's needed to do and been long rangy and uh been a good team defender and off-ball guy and uh it's my assessment of him has not changed think he's fine hasn't changed one bit he, nope. he's 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 exactly what we wanted out of him um obviously you know at this quote unquote his two point percentage is a little low but he's he's shooting the exact the exacto splits richard he's got 2.4 three point attempts per game and he's got 2.4 two point attempts per game and he's shooting 39.7 from both beautiful hmm. that's some and, symmetry right there i'm pretty sure he's number 24 that's this is number as well so it's the all, all around. Galaxy um, brain. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, not good. I mean, I think the good news as well is that there was that pre-draft video that kind of took us all for a little bit of a, wait a minute. <laughs> and then it's like, we're going to trust that it's going to be okay. I think we might have we might have bumped him down, but it was only really to, like, to bump Patrick Williams, I think, up a little bit. Um, it was one of those things that, like, I, I think I talked myself out of his off-the-dribble game. Mm-hmm. because like, I, I just like I remember watching some some film of him and being like you know what you know what I'm saying smaller people are guarding him every time he's taking these off the dribble shots that's not going to always be the case in the NBA I I think originally I had him like bumped up closer like in the like with like basically with Killian Hayes I'm like well I know Vassell is going to sh- when he shoots he's going to make it but and then I, I just had less faith that he would get to his own shot consistently is what pushed him down a little bit for me. I didn't think he was going to be creating for himself as much as I did after a couple games of Florida state when I was, Oh, this guy's so good, but nothing bad. Just, Oh, he's probably not going to create for himself as often. Yeah. Um, so there's that, uh, we had him there. It was fine. Then we get to Obi top and rounding off. We both had him here at 14 rounding off our lottery guys. Um, and after this, we'll probably just go and pick a few guys and just briefly mention them just just, just for the length of the pod sake. We're already hitting 
Yeah. Uh, we, we've been here for a while. So, um, is it bad that I think that I was too high on Obi Toppin? <laughs> Richard, I was thinking the same thing. I, I, Richard, I think we let, um, I think we let public opinion drive this, these picks. I think, (laughs) I think we drive it a little too high. I think, I think we didn't let, because I feel like we talked about it a lot that we, we knew he'd be a good dunker. We, we, we thought the shot would be fine. The defense would be terrible. I, and I would like to say he's young. But he's he would like to not. say that he's not. <laughs> but he's not. Um, I, I really, I, I think we, I think when we were looking at this, we're like, how far can we drop him? And I think we almost collectively said, all right, you know, group think collectively thought we can't go lower than the lottery. He's, he's too popular <laughs> to, to to send down any further. And I mean, for what's worth, there's random guys that are further down that we could put ahead. Like a lot of the guys from here on out haven't shown a lot. Like let's let's bring up a guy I know we both want to talk about, Emmanuel, quickly on his his team, right? By far the better rookie the Knicks drafted. We could bump him above Obi Toppin, and there's other players down here that we still have faith in. But does it really warrant jumping him based off everything we saw pre-draft? Like that's my question. I mean, we, we, with, we, with, we with all the small down, sample size, we, we, we pushed the appropriate mean like no, I pushed Sadiq Bay. Uh, when, when we talked about the bigs or big, uh, you know, forwards or whatever, like we, we, you know, three fours, we were saying, Hey, well, like someone like Sadiq Bay, someone like Patrick Williams, we'd probably want to have a world. We happen. We made those things happen. That happened for us. Um, uh, and, and so, I'm just looking at it. It's, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we would necessarily do, do that with any, any of the players who remain. I think, I, th- I think precious. I should have gave precious more credit because Perhaps, of how I mean, good, how good of a defensive defense. player he could be. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's probably where it would be. I mean, there might be some guys that are a little bit lower that, you know, eventually you know, it, 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 something could come out of it. I mean, I mean, for sure. I mean, I don't know, maybe not. I mean, I didn't, my blind spot with this draft, and I think one thing I need to get better at evaluating long-term is um, uh, just just these bigs um, because they're not on the ball quite as much. And, you know, Isaiah Stewart went, you know, picked pretty highly, went to Detroit, uh, and you've seen what he's been able to do. Like, he already is a solid uh, backup big. Like that's what he is right now, and, and he's already at that level. And I had him quite a bit lower. Zeke Naji, who's kind of seemed a little more uh, large wingy, a little bit even. It's a little bit. It's been weird. Um, but yeah, he he's shown some flashes. Uh, I I realize in my big board, it's like at, after I went through my first round, it's like well, I don't really know what to do with these bigs. I'm just going to put them here, and if. I think it's just because they don't have the ball in their hands. So I need to do a better job of trying to see that and evaluate them and, and what they do. I think it was just hard for someone like Isaiah Stewart in particular because of he played a zone and the center on zone, how much can you translate what he does defensively 
to man to man. Like that, 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 that was, that's a little bit tough for me to try to figure out. I mean, there was a discussion of, oh, he, he might be able to spread the floor and he might, he might be able to uh, eventually grow into a pick and pop big. Um, you saw the motor, you saw him, you know, beat up a Kungu in a couple of matchups in the Pac-12, but it was kind of hard to evaluate. And I think for Obi Toppin here, it's just, you saw the national, did he get national player of the year? I think he did. Um, and and so you just see him, it's like, oh, I, I know I don't really like what he's going to, I don't like him as a prospect because of the defensive issues. And offensively, you can, you can see where things could work. I, I feel good for dropping him compared to the consensus. But again, I think that there ends up being a little bit of a drop off um, at once once we get to this point, where it's I don't know. I think it's a little bit tough. Yeah. I just I I look at it. And I'm like ah, I, I I feel bad for him because he has a lot of talent. I just don't I don't know how we apply it for the NBA. To be fair, he's been injured. He, he's had some injuries. He's had some missed time. Um and. We're talking about a Knicks team that now has said, "Hey, I'm trying. We're, we're, we're trying to win. We're trying to make a playoff push." You got Tibbs, who you know, notably is is not he's not he's not there for the tank. Uh, but just just the difficult and kind of funny part of this is it is it's like Kevin Knox is younger than Obi Toppin, right? Yeah, uh, you know, if, if we're, we're we're giving up on Kevin Knox, like, I don't know one person who's on Kevin Knox Island. I think that think the island has sunk. Um, you know, you look and say, well, he's he's a couple years older than R.J. Barrett. Like, yeah, it's you, you look around and just think to yourself, you know, he's the uh, he's older than Mitchell Robinson. So, like, you, you look around at this and it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I know that other rookies like Killian Hayes has struggled because Killian Hayes is, is really young. Obi Toppin is not, and you would have the initial thought was that he would be able to come in and be someone who could potentially win win a rookie of the year because of he'd be just able to pile up counting stats hasn't happened obviously injuries kind of play a part in that but um i don't know i i wonder i i do have concerns for him long term and i, I guess it's a fair spot that we have him in yeah let's go to some guys that we uh we want to just uh, highlight a little bit i we already hit Precious Achua. I'm not going to hit him. Go ahead, Richard. You look excited. I do. I, I I was nice to you and skipped over that you had Aaron Neesmith at 13. I We don't need to belabor that much more, but... He's not shooting well, is he? No. No, we'll he's see. not. I, I... I... I still think he'll shoot well, but... Yeah, no. That's that's one of those, like... His defense is, is bad, and I knew that. Like, he just doesn't move a lot. Mm-hmm. Um... But I, I I do think his shooting will come around. So, but, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. He he's playing for the Celtics in this scenario it is a high pressure situation because especially him sitting over there while he was hurt, watching them just burn through everyone. Like, all right, well, you got to play now. We need something out there. That's that's a that's a little bit of a pressure cooker in the Boston market. But no, I I I would definitely say I am I was too high. A, a, a little bit more, a little bit tougher um, being thrown into that situation when all you did was play against weak teams at Vanderbilt and then sat sat down when you got into conference play. Anyways, continuing on, um, 
to other people, again, let me know. There are people that I'm, I'm too high on. I have a little, little bit embarrassed about. Um, RJ Hampton, we've not seen enough of him. We both had him just outside. We'll leave that be. Tyrese Maxey is someone who's been interesting. You know, when when the Sixers had all of their people out and they had to, you know, barely feel the team, and you know, Paul Reed was on there, and Matt, you know, Maxey went and get a lot of going out, going going and dropping some some big numbers at least in that game. Like that was that was impressive. You know, just Maxey. I think that some of the concerns, some of the concerns are still there. Um, just his three-point shot isn't there yet. You know, shooting about under 28%. Free throws, just fine. <laughs> so it's like, I, I'm, I'm not giving up Maxi. Let me just say that. It's just, it, it's it's going to take a little bit of time. And, and, the, and the Sixers are a team that has particular aspirations. So we, we should say that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's in a bad spot for his long-term success, but for rookie season success, he is in a spot that will not give him a lot of burn. I, I think a guy you should take a victory lap on is Mason Jones. Oh, I should, Mason, Mason Jones. Um, uh, obviously, going to the Rockets, I think for him is a particular win with their season. Um, I mean. Obviously, the whole Harden issues and him him not being able to be there, and now they've had some people having to sit out with injuries. And you know, Mason Jones, I had him as my thirty first ranked prospect, which I think was the highest I had compared to any sort of the consensus pick. And he's come in and shot you know forty one percent from from three. Uh, he's come in and you know shot forty five percent from the field, which. Not bad, not awful. Free throw percentage is, is hideous, so we're just not going to talk about that. Um, but, you know, in, in smaller minutes, you know, 11 minutes per game out there and being a contributor. And we're here to see it. We'd like to see him become a role player uh, and, you know, be maybe an eighth eighth man on an NBA team long term. You know, sixth, seventh, eighth man, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I like that he he's getting a nice little situation to get some burn. It's it's definitely working out. Um, trying to see if there's anyone else here. We already, I already mentioned Isaiah Stewart. Uh, oh, Jalen Smith. We had him very low. I had him at 36. You had him at 25. He went way higher. He shouldn't have. That's the end of that story. Um, I don't feel bad about 25 for what's worth. No, I think it's fine. It's I think fine. he's bad. I think he's bad for a team that needs him to be good. And it was yeah. Though, though was, he's not playing, so he's not playing. Yeah, no, it was it was a bad. Yes, we got we, we agree with that. Um, Xavier Tillman, we both had him at twenty two. Good pick. We'll just we'll just say that we we like him. We like his fit long term. Grizzlies were great. Jaden McDaniels, I want to bring it up because I've seen him play quite a few, quite a few games, and I really think Jaden McDaniels. It was a very similar situation that I um kind of talked with Anthony Edwards. He is just better suited for the NBA than the college game. Like having a little bit more space for some of his bad tendencies just enables it a little bit. Yeah, he's still shooting poorly. Um, his defense has been great. We we were wondering how that would translate out of the zone, but I think his defense has been good. Him and Jared Vanderbilt both vying for some, you know, hey, those guys can, if nothing else, can stick in the league because of that. Um, I'm just happy to see Jaden work out, even in the the doldrum that is uh, Minnesota. Good week, good week. Side defender has many opportunities to um, come and help because it's needed. Um, Not a bad defense out there. 
can we just not talk about Poku? Because I, who 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 in the world knows? I mean, you watch some of the things he does; it's it's just absolutely ridiculous and in in very 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 bad and very very weird and interesting ways. Um, and anyways, there's that. Um, Malachi Flynn hasn't really gotten much run. He's been dominating the uh, G League bubble. He's been playing really really well there. So uh, interesting long term. We'll see. Um, I don't know who else we can we should uh, we should mention. We might that might be. I mean, Cole Anthony has gotten injured, so he had a game winner. So there's that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to hate on the man. He's doing no. okay. Yeah, it's, it's, fi- it's been fine. You know what? Tail Maldon. A little yes, disappointed yeah. that we uh we didn't push him up a little bit higher. I mean, he's 126. What do you what do you have? I know, but, but we had him below the consensus though. Oh, I mean, yeah, a little bit. So just a I know it's bit. not a lot. I'm I'm just I'm just looking at him like you know he had he had the measurables that we like in terms of a taller guard. You know, I just no. Like I, I think he's probably was it rated. just that I didn't watch him enough. That's that, that that's that's my bigger thing. Is like okay, well, what mm-hmm. did I what did I miss to where I was like you know what definitely um I don't even know who to pull here because my I mean, next year guards are so I would, much higher. I would I don't know if I would take him over some of the other guards. Like I think that it's just he's in the right realm. Maybe he ends up being better than I mean I had yeah. Paul Anthony right above him, Trey Jones right above him, but like I think those guys can still do. Fine, and I mean, Tail Maladon. I don't think he's going to be anything more than a. Um, he he he's your backup point guard, and he's doing a really good job of it. And I think that that's we we have at twenty six. I think he was what like twenty twenty fourth. Fine, but I mean, you have him twenty eighth. Like it, it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, I just want to mention because I've I've enjoyed watching him play. I've enjoyed watching the two six five point guards for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh, we've not talked about Peyton Pritchard. We we missed. We missed on that one. Oh, missed. <laughs> I think I talked about it after he got drafted so high, be, um, because I, like, it just shocked me. Like, I honestly think we got a little bit just putting names in because we did. We did at the I, end. I'm not. Like, I got I'm not sure. Names. I'm not sure. Like, I, I I think my my list right here, 41 through 49, was uh names. Put them in. <laughs> yeah. Because. Like, and that's how it is, though. It's all tiered off, right? Like, and I'm not, I'm not. We, we both like, sure. we gotta have Azubuki at sixty. Has to be sixty. Yeah, that, who that, who that knows? That was collusion. That was collusion. That's a collusion. Oh, um, yeah, we like even you put Najee Marshall ahead of him. You you haven't watched a single Najee Marshall highlight. I know you haven't. <laughs> I put him there for you. <laughs> I know. I, hey, he's on. He's on a team. He's on a two way. Hey, the Pelicans. There you go. But yeah, no, Peyton Pritchard, definitely a miss. Like, having him, like, d- directly next to Saban Lee, who athletically is very fun, um, just just big wrong. Like, I, Saban Lee's Powell, been pretty good the past couple, past past week or so, so. Cool. But, like, having <laughs> him below Miles Powell because I have a big East bias, big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's okay. It's all right. We'll, 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 learn, we'll learn from it all. So, anyways, Ethan. Good talk with you. Good talk with Elkin. It was Um, good talking to y'all. But we've talked enough.